Welcome everyone, welcome to Pods Like Us. I almost did my own introduction there. If you're listening, you know this is not the suave, sophisticated, almost as northern as me voice of Marv. Marv's feeling a little bit under the weather, so he's asked me uh, to step in and be your host this evening. If you don't know who I am, I'm I'm Sean from Review Yourself. Uh, So today, Pods Like Us meets Skylar from Omega Star 7. A hilarious science fiction comedy. So welcome. Welcome, Skylar. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So what we're going to do, we'll just run through some questions uh, just about the podcast and, yeah, things about your inspiration, the basis of the show, the writing, that kind of thing. So if you're listening, stick around. It's going to be really, really interesting. So just the first question really will be, what was your inspiration or you know, the group's inspiration for, for making an audio drama? Well, you know, we started as a, like an actual play when, you know, it was like a, a podcast for tabletop role-playing games. And I had written a lot of lore and world building and um, we did it. It didn't, it was very difficult to do. It was a lot of really time consuming and it was tough to keep a group of people who were really there to play a game. Uh, we've had those people in that in those original group like reprise their characters from time to time just for fun. But you know, we ended it off on a way that was supposed to continue. It didn't continue. And about a year later, I was like, I kind of want to continue it, but from a different perspective. Uh, the way if you listen to the the act, we still have the actual play stuff online. But you know, if you're listening, you can hear at the end we bring up a character who becomes the main character in the actual audio drama part of the show. But I guess to answer the question easily is, you know, we wrote a bunch for an for an actual play. And uh, I just didn't want to drop it and let it go. So I came back as an audio drama. And that's kind of what we did. That's quite an interesting uh, creation that it started as a game. Yep. So if anybody was asking you basically, why, what's the basis of the show? If you met somebody or if your friend was asking about it, how would you not sell them on it, but how, how would you describe the show? So um, to the best of your ability. <laughs> I always, uh, I always say like, it's interesting. It's how we do things is, uh, uh, that's a good way to take a, take a second to think about it. Um, when I describe the show, I do like to say it's kind of like a topsy turny. So we say it's a comedy, but it's very, very unpredictable. Sometimes that means it's really funny. Sometimes it means it's shocking in moments. Um, some of the dialogue goes from improvised ridiculousness to, serious i would even say operatic and like over the top monologues and stuff like that uh, i wouldn't say it's like um a, a, a parody of any kind or some kind of like a ironic take on stuff but i would say it is like we, we take a lot of inspiration and we try to turn it on its head and uh keep people guessing with the storylines and stuff and we try to make it cozy enough that people can like enjoy this the the stuff without thinking too hard, but we do you know the best thing to do is when I tell people we put a lot of stuff in there for it to be repeated and we just try to make it as deep as possible. I mean, I look at like Star Wars; it's very similar to Star Wars in the style of like it's kind of just ham fisted a lot, uh, and we just kind of go with crazy things. We don't think too hard on stuff and. We just put a lot of effort into it. So if you're looking for something that's different, but uh, comedic and I think really personal, it's a good show. Sounds that's good. That's how I describe it. Yeah. So what about the characters in terms of, I know this isn't on Marv's list. Sorry, Marv. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> how, uh, I just, I don't want to take you unawares, but it just occurred to me really. So what about the characters? So who, who are like the main players in it or does it change that kind of thing? Uh, 
So, so we have, uh, you know, I, we, I call them creators cause they are good friends who work deeply on the show. I do most of like the directing of the show, uh, making sure I'm like the right, I portray myself as a ringleader, less of a creator. Um, cause it really, it's a lot of ideas coming from a lot of different people that kind of just come together. But the main, the main cast is myself. I play the main character slip, um, and a few other people. We do do multiple voices just to kind of cover our bases and not having to always put out casting calls. But it's me, uh, James, who's kind of like been my confidant since the show came back as an audio drama. Graham, who was on the original actual play for a very short amount of time. We brought him in. Um, he's a good friend of mine. Those, And then Joe, he has another friend of mine, was also part of the original group. Got him a new character. Got him a new voice. And then Chrissy, who joined sometime into, I believe it was like three or four months into the audio drama because we uh, had to. We wanted to bring back a character that I had voiced in an actual play. As I said, it was a you know feminine character, and I wanted to make sure that we had an actual feminine voice for them coming back for a dramatization. So that's Chrissy, and she's kind of slowly become just as important and valued as the rest of the cast. So it's about five people. Um, mainly it's four, and then we have Luna, too, who plays uh, Calamastros. But they're, they're always consulted, Joe and Luna, but... I would say the main players in the writing, the uh, voices, and the uh, production is myself, James, Chrissy, and Graham. Yeah, so it's quite a, a tight-knit group. Like That's quite a small core, which I suppose in a way sometimes helps, especially when, as you said earlier, that you're trying to get people together and you don't want to, you know, you know, you do multiple voices so that you don't have to, you know, be thinking, oh, God, we need a, I don't know, we need an alien this week or, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. So I, I guess that that's that's quite a clever way of doing it. And I suppose you, the way you described it in terms of like being a lead, in terms of trying to get everybody together, you sound more like a wrangler in a way, making yeah. sure that that everyone you know you you know where you're going. And yeah, I uh, I go by like creator, executive, producer kind of thing because uh, you know there's storylines like we had Luna, who again is like mostly just acts as a character half the time, but I really wanted her to do an episode. So I had her write me an episode that we're going to release here in a few weeks, maybe months if, uh, if but hopefully it's going to be a couple weeks from now. Uh, but I had her, I was like, listen, you've been a great writer. You've been my best friend since fifth grade. Would love to have you do more than just a character, like write me something. So uh, that's a big thing is, you know, we have a small Nick group, but the door is always open for collaborators so, you know, we have people all the time on the show, sometimes other podcasts, not just audio dramas, but I've had a random podcast that I've uh, grown to be friends with. And I said, you want to play a character on the show? And uh, they're always like, yeah. So it's been fun to kind of collaborate beyond just being a small knit group. But it is my job to kind of keep all of it together and keep the show. Like I always say, my biggest job is keeping the show, the show and keeping that flavor and character alive. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It just was the same for all podcasters. You try, you're trying to kind of find your niche, and you're thinking, right, how do I adapt it, change it, but not lose what makes it quintessentially unique. If that makes sense. I hope it does. <laughs> That's what I, I try I, to do. I, you, you, you said it much more eloquently than I did. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do my best sometimes, but uh, you should hear me on my own show. I waffle like there's no tomorrow. Ramble. Um, so yeah, no, it's uh, it because it's something I, I quite regularly do on my on my own. I mean, I, you could say, oh, you do films, but then it's well, how are you going to do them? Because everybody, everybody like reviews films. It's not a particularly unique thing. So you've got to try and find your own. You know, you what's your own inspiration? So speaking of inspiration, I know you've already kind of alluded to to Star Wars a little bit, and I'm hoping I can kind of get bit of star trek and i don't know if you're into star trek but it because the way you describe the tone it sounds a little bit like the original star wars series in terms of you know, the 60s and it was a little bit of a send-up of itself with the way it finished before like the ad break and things so where's the where was the kind of i know you said the inspiration was from from the play that you'd already done but where was the inspiration for that so was it what was the original genesis i suppose is what, what i'm asking really in a convoluted way i got you i um so you know i say star wars um i wouldn't say we're directly inspired by star wars i say there's a lot of like parallels because you know most sci-fi kids that was their it was either star trek star wars or both 
Um, but I would say our biggest inspiration when it comes to Star Wars is we take a lot of the world building styles. So like I always say, the Clone Wars was referenced in the first movie, but we didn't see anything about it until like 2003. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but he always had that plan. It was the story beyond the, like, like the focal point was this small ragtag group of people, but you know, there was a world outside of it and he, you know, George Lucas and people beyond him even today are always pulling from this like giant pool of um, just things that have happened and exploration, ex exploring. It makes it feel big. When I would say when it comes to like direct influence, I mean, I'm a huge like 90s sci-fi anime fan. So like Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, Outlaw Star, Akira. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Blade Runner. The, a lot of the music on the show is uh, inspired by Vangelis or even a little bit of Hans Zimmer with like minimalist scoring that has like a bluesy kind of vibe, but it's all synthesizers and stuff. So I, I would say like my biggest um, influences is pre like modern sci-fi. So I, I don't know where you would, I don't know where you'd start modern sci-fi somewhere in the nineties, but um, early two thousands, everything before that. So we have like star Wars, star Trek, all of those nineties space opera animes and uh, you know, cyberpunk. And you see a big, big turn up of cyberpunk stuff, which we do have some cyberpunk influence into our, in our show with like blade runner. We've even done a, anthology episode that was inspired by blade runner it was comedic but it was had the same vibe of someone who was hunting down like these fake people and uh again homages like we it's it's tough to see if something is inspiration or it's an homage to something but i would say the safest bet would be everything that you would consider as classic science fiction would be our biggest inspiration so is it almost like a pastiche in a way sometimes kind of yeah, yeah. I, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a giant mess of just like of of influence and uh love and homage and again parody a little bit of parody in there and irreverence and you know always making fun of things but always trying to show the love even if we're making fun of something it's we try to show the love for it too yeah yeah because to 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 take the mick out of something or or poke a little bit of fun at something it a lot most of the time it would come from a place of love so you know it, it's like how you would describe it there and i almost jumped in but i'm trying not to because it's not my podcast <laughs> uh chosen to jump in and say it's like a big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey because i'm sure. doctor the, no, the, the new run of doctor who was really my thing oh, until really recently um so yeah it's it's that kind of that kind of love really so and and also what you were talking about before that was essentially the skill of world building, which you seem to to be quite on top of. So speaking of like the world building of it, so the core of something a lot of the time is, you know, the writing. Because if the writing is not there, we see this with TV shows and films, I have to bring it back to my own wheelhouse otherwise I'm stuffed. Um, <laughs> so the writing is, is kind of very important. And I know you said that you've, you've had friends sometimes do that, but who, who primarily writes the episodes or is it is it is it like yourself or is it somebody else singly or is it more of kind of a stereotypical American sitcom where you're all throwing in ideas and then somebody decides right I'll streamline this into a into an episode? So I would say like if I'm going to be honest and uh, you know I would say I do about sixty to seventy percent of the writing um, at least like when it, if you're going to include the world building the direction stuff like that uh, kind of the final say person. But it is like like you mentioned the American style of like it's me and the other three people I consider creators Graham, Chrissy, and James. Um, we all sit in a room. Sometimes I'll bring friends in just to be like sounding boards and say, "Listen, here's an idea," um, and then we write. I would say like I'm like the script is on my computer. I kind of like flourish things out. I'll go back in. I'll do stuff on my own sometimes. Uh, I do like having someone there, you know, we call it the rubber duck method, which is kind of like from uh, the IT world where someone will put a rubber duck and explain code to the rubber duck. Sometimes I'll just have people come in to listen and be like, what'd you think? Or just someone who's there. Cause a lot of the time, you know, you have this really cool idea in your head, but then you say it out loud to something, somebody, something, and you're like, oh, this was bad. 
So um, now, now that I've said it out loud, it's become bad. So <laughs> I would say um, the four people that I mentioned myself, Chrissy, James, Graham, they're like kind of like the writer's room. And then we'll have other people come in. And if I have someone who really cares about their character, they're going to be betraying. I have them come in and just act out lines while we're writing just so we can like write that down. Uh, we used to be an improv show, um, at least heavily improvised. And that came from laziness because we just, it was me, Joe and James at a table and we were just throwing the most ridiculous stuff out. And uh, when the show took more of a dramatic direction, we were like, we need to write more. That's why we started. With, and I, you know, I moved, uh, everyone kind of moved, but James and um, we had to start doing stuff online. So I got us, you know, I got Scrivener and then I was like, let's just start writing stuff out. We'll improvise a little in the writer's room. Like we'll just go through lines and like, oh, you know, try this out. And um, yeah, we just, so it's kind of, the show has kind of been all over the place. And because the show changes mood so much, sometimes we uh, just kind of take it as it comes. So sometimes we have a writer's room. Sometimes it's just me by myself writing. Um, sometimes it's an improv where we'll actually meet up and just go through stuff, record it and take it and go with it. Um, it just depends on what is needed for what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. But I suppose sometimes going through those different iterations of something, sometimes it's like working out the kinks, isn't it? Because I yeah. think anybody who starts and thinks, Oh, I've got the perfect idea for a podcast, whatever that may be very, very rarely, uh, are you going to be right? Like very, very rarely are you going to be like, right, I found a brilliant idea. It works. I don't have to tweak it. I don't have to change it. Because, you know, we, I think a lot of podcasts try little bits here and there to think, well, this, you know, would this work? Is this a good addition? Because, you, you know, you seem a very creative person. I'd consider, well, I think anybody who does a podcast is quite creative. So, and you're always trying to think, you know, you might have an idea in your head at three in the morning and think, oh, I might try a bit of this. And, you know, with you, the, the beauty of a podcast like yours is that you can run that by other people and be like, sure. what do you think of this? Whereas, I mean, man's I think pods like us as well is, but my podcast is also a, uh, is solo. So a lot of the time you kind of, you can reach out to other people and ask them, but at the end of the day, it's you kind of trying different things. So yeah, I mean, I'd, I think that's always a good way to go when you can always be quite fluid and try different things. Um, and now to everyone's every podcaster's favorite part of podcasting the editing so who does the editing and how do you find that so um for about 20 something episodes now we had now this is beyond that so i guess uh, it'd be 20 episodes into the actual show if you look at our like podcast like our pod chaser if you look at apple it's like we have a season and then we have bonus episodes so i'm gonna say up until the 20th of the main season which was about I don't know, um, 30 episodes were all done strictly by me. I would edit everything and it was a nightmare. So, um, because you can't imagine how like horrible it is to cut down. Well, you, you, I, it's, it's very similar to doing a very heavily edited talking podcast. We have to edit all the fluff out, you know, uh, we yeah. had, we had, yeah. and it was the same in the actual play. We'd have a group of people around a table and we would just break down the conversation. I had to sit there and decide every day, is this funny enough to keep in the show? Because it was an actual play. So it wasn't totally a, a dramatization. It was us around a table. So I wanted to keep some of the stuff that was really funny. And, um, it's kind of carried over into the improv. Is this working for the scene? Does this improv work? I have to cut this eventually just to kind of get back to the question i uh i asked chrissy and graham i would say james is big james does most of the extra voices and he's my biggest like sounding board when it comes to writing but chrissy and graham chrissy does her own show danger dames uh, she does all the, all the tech work there and graham like myself as a musician and has a studio so what we ended up doing uh, towards the end of the, the main, the major season, Ballad of the Outlander, is I asked Chrissy to start putting together the uh, lines, and I would take that, do any kind of cuts that I think need to be changed, work on the timing. I'd add sound design, music, stuff like that. Then I would do a little bit of mixing, and I passed it off to Graham for a final, because he has speakers to work with, and I have headphones, and so he would do the final mix and final master. And now, uh, as we're working on new stuff, I've had Chrissy just kind of gather lines 
we're you know gather lines and now i'll i'll lay them out the way because it just kind of helps skip a step there and i have graham do a final final master and just make sure everything sounds good in the speakers um so again we're right back to uh, we're constantly trying new things and tackling each issue with what we feel is best so i can't answer the question i would say that i would I do most of the editing, but I wouldn't be able to do it without Graham and Chrissy as we are now. Yeah, it sounds like a, a very, very collaborative effort that's clearly working very, very well. How this again, sorry, Marv, this isn't one of your questions either, but it's just a good ask them all, man. Um, We're here. So <laughs> what about when you have, I know you must be pretty good friends with a lot of you, but what about if you have disagreements? Like you, one of you says, you know, this is brilliant and it needs to stay in. And I don't know, you might go, no, I, I don't like it. Or, or it doesn't quite fit with what we're going for. Who? I have one. Yeah. I, I have one story and we, we I'm allowed to talk about it uh, because someone else talked about it. I made, we're, we're, we're writing season two, if that wasn't prevalent or, you know, to everyone who's listening or has been, you know, interacting with us. We are working on season two, currently working on new anthologies, but we got a few episodes of season two done uh, writing wise and some and voice acting. And there was one bit we had to throw away. I thought it was the funniest bit in the world. And honestly, everyone thought it was funny, but it was so crass. Now, sidebar, and I know you haven't listened to the show totally yet, but there, you know, our season, uh, the bow to the outlander opens with a joke, uh, which is a euphemism. We uh, do a testicle joke, but it's a euphemism for one of the character who just likes to eat nuts. And uh, that's how the show opens. It's a very, very uncomfortable scene. And we really wanted to do that. So we've played a lot of homages to that where we'd be kind of self uh, relevant. And this is all going to make sense. So um, basically we would, we would do it again and see if we could top ourselves every single time the show would kind of come back it would like you know dip out in a story the arc would a new arc would start we'd start with a new ridiculous joke like that and i did one for the new season two and it was so crass that we were like we have this we can't do it and i really wanted to do it but uh this all comes back to the question of you know what do we do when we have disagreement i look at um the other people on the show and i you know we have to really we really respect each other so when when one person says they don't like something, we present our argument, uh, and if they still don't like it, and we can't find a compromise, we'll just scrap it because we do want everyone on the show to be happy with what's what's happening. And typically, every time we've had a disagreement, we were able to either convince the person why it's a good idea, or we've been able to find a compromise. And that's uh, I believe with the collaborative effort of the show being compromising is the most important thing so we have yet in the two years of the show almost three now the show has been in existence we've been able to kind of always find a good agreement or compromise yeah no that's that's good i mean because you're always going to have those times but there, yeah i mean so do you do you draw the line at, at swearing and no like, no okay i just swear <laughs> yeah no so, but there is it was, that, like, it was gross it was okay like, right, the, okay I can I can tell you. I mean, it wouldn't matter. Basically, it was a uh, you know a bodily function joke that uh, you know biologically male people can do, and um, it was a joke that surrounded that, and it was very very gross. And I thought it was the funniest thing. I think it was because it was so shocking. Is uh, because the you know the season, especially towards the end of the last season, it got very very serious. And while it was it, the humor went from being just irreverent to more heartwarming. And then to come back with something so crass, we just felt like it was way too out of left field and it just felt very gross. Uh, and we were like, all right, we'll throw it away. Shit. I just thought I, I really shame. wanted to. <laughs> I, I, I lost that battle and I, uh, I accepted looking back when we going back to the script, I've reread it a couple of times and I'm like, yeah, I, it would have been funny, but uh, you know, I've been kind of trying to take my writing more seriously. And sometimes you, you want to throw away bits and you want to start making comedy that really, really ties together really well. And uh, we, we kind of, we've kind of, play, you know, wrestled with the idea of bits. Um, you know, sometimes bits are fun, like, you know, Family Guy or stuff like that. And uh, other yeah. times it just totally yeah. throws off a rhythm. And there's we're a, like, yeah, there's a thing with Family Guy, isn't there? You've got a, you've got a, I mean, because that was so funny when I was younger and now it's just, it's like a, it's, it's like the Simpsons. Yeah. It's it's like a pale imitation of itself. 
like the jokes go on far too long and it's like oh come on like you used to be so good and now you you're not, no, yeah. not and not, not, not to derail not to derail this speaking of family guy you know i've been getting really back into south park and i know they're not the most politically correct show um but you really can tell that the careers of south park like they really are incredible writers because of like how they do things like they are an anti-bit show. They had a whole episode about how they, why they, why they dislike family guy. Not that it's a bad show, but why they dislike it and how it's really just uh bits that have nothing to do with each other. And I've uh, been like watching a lot more interviews with the creators of South park, Matt, you know, Matt part to Trey Parker, Matt stone yeah. and, uh, and how they write. And I was like, wow, that's like really similar to what we do. And I'm seeing like now that our show is kind of losing the room for bits. We'll throw one in when it's really funny. Yeah. But we, as we've grown, the show has kind of become going back, going back to the beginning of this, where <laughs> about inspiration is the show has kind of begun to inspire itself, which is kind of cool to have that like economy in your writing ability yeah. where like the things you've set forth become self prevalent and uh, self referential. So like, it kind of invites people into the show once you create a little universe where like, oh, that's a reference to this thing that happened like in this episode. And you start to create something more fluid and uh, connected, which I think is kind of what all uh, all shows should strive to do is creating something that becomes self-referential. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know I mentioned it off mic, but it sounds very much like Red Dwarf becomes in its later years. It becomes very harkening back to certain you know periods of it mm -hmm. of the show so that's good so what do you find particularly rewarding about about doing the show is it i mean not the editing obviously no one likes the editing but i suppose um is it kind of the collaboration and it, you know because i think sometimes once a podcast starts to feel like a job it's kind of it's death now really but that would have been dark mm -hmm. didn't it? no but what yeah what, it was meant to be. What do you find rewarding? And I'll bring it down to that. Now, what do you find rewarding about it? Sorry. I'm, I know I, uh, I'll tell you. So I actually, um, I'm in a couple of discords and, uh, someone, I won't mention who they, uh, they, I was, we were just talking about something we did in our, in our show. And they said, uh, to, it is a lot of people are jealous about like our just devil may care. And this is, I'm paraphrasing it, by the way, I can't remember exactly what they said, but, uh, long story short was they said you know to be as uncaring as you guys are about what you do like and that's something i think is special because our show is not by any means a big influential show but we do have a decent size of downloads i would say we're last time i checked we're, we're nearing 50k and um we've never like we've only done one ad campaign uh we don't like we've every everything we've done for our show has been word of mouth and collaboration and uh any measure of success to, to going back to the writing the collaboration how we do things is so alien going back to south park you know that whole one week to air thing where one episode would take one week we're very we're the same our episodes are bi-weekly and when we are the height of our show we would do an episode write it act it edit it complete it within a week every single episode and um to do that and to like see how all these like little pieces come together and how people like you know how we can do exactly what we want and it always feels like our show i feel like it's that is we never caught like going back to compromising we compromise with each other but we've never had to compromise our show for it to feel like our show and i think that's the most rewarding thing is we've done things exactly how we want to as Sid vicious once said, well, not Sid vicious, but as he said in his, in that song uh, by what Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's what, you know, that's what I, uh, we do it our way. And that's uh, that to me is the most rewarding thing is we've never had to not do it our way. No, I, th I think, I think you're absolutely right. I really do. I've, I've made this point before funny enough when I was on Mav's podcast and when he interviewed me about mine uh, and I said, don't try and be don't try and be something you think people want. Do what you do. Do a podcast that you'd like to listen to, and that you find interesting, and find some people to talk to if that's the way you want to go. Do it the way you want to do it. Do it your way. Is exactly, exactly sure because there's no point trying. You know, 
uh, you know, change it and do bits of this because you see somebody else might be successful. No, do it, do it your way, and then people will, people, you know, the whole if you build it, they, you know, if you build it, he will come. Um, exactly. You know, it's it's he will come, not they will come. Anybody feels the dreams right? It's a common mispronunciation of it. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's uh, something to keep in mind. Just do it your way rather than what you think people want, which you know, and then people will come as they clearly have for your podcast. So. Just to, to move on from what's rewarding about about your podcast, the the artwork for your show, like I'm sick of saying what's the inspiration for it, Marv. Sorry, but what? <laughs> <laughs> where did you know? How did you come up with that? You know, where did it come from? Okay, so I will say the illustration is done by a good friend of mine, Christopher Fieldhouse. He does the Peculiar Adventures, uh, Misadventures. I'm forgetting the name totally, but it's an, an excellent, excellent like uh, anthology show. And his uh, style of art's very pulpy, but very like quirky as well. And I thought I really want that for my stuff. So anytime you see illustration on our stuff, it's typically done by him. I do a lot of the graphic design, which is the logos and the uh, you know the uh, more psychedelic stuff. And but he does all the drawing. And um, so the inspiration. Sorry, yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Well, no, well, that's fine. It's fine. It's just, it's just, sorry, it's just, cropped up, it's just cropped up a few times on the notes. I, uh, and I'm thinking, I'm not using inspiration again. Like, <laughs> what, 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 what we, how many times can it? you be inspired by somebody for Christ's sake? Well, sorry, go on. So it's, <laughs> um, the font we use for the logo is Condor, which is, I've always thought was like a very heavy metal, but like not like Metallica heavy metal like heavy metal the cartoon slash magazine where it felt very like pulpy but like it feels 80s and before that it was like bay shore which kind of has like a synth wave look and um we've always tried to like look into like what the show is inspired by which again is like old school science fiction and pulp and uh i uh i would say that's kind of what inspired it i love the colors orange and purple uh, hence why typically we put orange and purple uh, and we could, I could make something up like, oh, well, the reason I like orange and purple is because nothing rhymes with both those words. But honestly, um, I just like those two colors. And um, I think they really, they're very, very, uh, as someone who used to do graphic design uh, professionally, I find that those two colors are very, very strange. And I think the show itself is strange and they're my favorite colors. And since I kind of created the show from the, the bet the ground up um i just really want to bring that in to uh the, the vibe to kind of reflect the show is to reflect its creators more than it is to reflect itself so all the stuff we do all the stuff we put into the show the artwork the music it's all personal it all is supposed to be a reflection of its creators so i think the art is no different i think sometimes it's nice because you can hold yourself to I mean, sometimes like you know, to a too high a standard, but you can you can probably hold yourself to a higher standard than you would anybody else. That makes sense. Um, True. Maybe, maybe that's just certain types of people. I don't know, but I know I'm certainly like that. If, it, if I'm not happy with something, I, I do struggle to be like, right, this needs to go. This needs to go out, but I'm not happy with it. So True. doesn't happen very often. More when I'm doing my own stuff, I like solo stuff. But uh, no, it's 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 a good way to be. So as we so we've spoken about the artwork. So how do you find the music and the, the sound effects? Do you create them yourself or do you get them from anywhere in particular? The music outside a few handful of little tiny ridiculous things. I, I remember one time we did like a, um, we did, we did, we did a big play on um, like nineties buddy, like nineties, early two thousands buddy comedy. We did an episode. I can't remember the name. Oh, Slip and Badger's big trip. That episode features one little bit where it's a like it's a Dukes of Hazard reference where they like jump nice. off a highway and it freeze frames and we I I like brought I uh I brought in like this little tiny like uh like bluegrass thing that I could not play by myself uh but to answer your question um if I can't create it I go to Epidemic Sound I have a partnership with them I pay them monthly to give me like an unlimited access to sound effects um which by the way, this isn't like a this isn't like a paid partnership. I do want to say if you're listening, Epidemic Sound has a font of stuff. Uh, the sound effects are free to use even after you've ended your membership. 
Um, well, you can't get any more, but the ones you've already used are yours to use. Uh, the music is different. You don't have to pay royalties after uh, you end your membership. But um, back to that, I you know use Epidemic Sound, um, but I this kind of goes back into the show itself. Um, we play to our strengths on the show, and uh, I'm very good at blues. I'm very good at rock and uh, synth, synth wave, and uh, like electronic, you know, industrial stuff. Uh, minimal as minimalist as I can be. And part of that's because I don't have a lot of patience and I don't want to write full scale songs. And, uh, I like, I like how it sounds. And, um, you know, David Lynch is a really big, uh, influence when it comes to music and his stuff's always been very like washy and minimalist. Um, so the music is done by me. Uh, I would say like I said, 99 point, like 9% of the music is done by me. Sometimes I'll have James or Graham sing a song. We've done a uh, we've done a musical number. We did a little rap bit. We did a, we've done a couple little like hip hop beats in the in the in the show that were one was done by Graham, one was done by James. Um, but I do all the music itself, and um, I'm very uh, very lucky and fortunate to have been a musician before I uh, did this. So the music I've always felt was. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it top notch, but I'd call it a, one of our strongest suits in the show is the, the music being very emotive and um, real. Yeah. It's, it's just such a shame that Marv's not here because he's very musical. As you know, I'm, I'm not musical at all, which is a shame, but uh, it's just not a skill I have. But Mar- Marv like plays different instruments. So you should definitely hook up with him again um, to chat some, some music. I'd love to. Um, is he great? Honestly, I, I, this is a, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like do myself down on purpose, but like, this is a pale imitation of the kind of content you'd have got if Marv was kicking about, he's a master at this kind of stuff. So I know we spoke earlier about the, the actors that you've got, but how, how did you come up with who took the specific parts? Like, I know it got Mm. adapted. So you maybe kind of, did you just keep the same or did you switch it around a little bit? So I will, uh, so, um, I'll try to start from the beginning. You know, the original four characters, Skeeks, Jin, um, Tiberius, and Sheehan were uh, characters that were created for a tabletop game that we were going to do a podcast on, um, which we did for eight episodes. And then uh, at the end, the uh, the char- the um, it is told that they are going to go after a character named Slip which become became my character in the future. And um, what we did was we sat down, you know, the people who wanted to come back for the audio drama, which was basically just Joe. We've had Alex who played Skeeks and a couple of times to reprise his role, but um, we had to recast Sheehan um, to a James. Uh, we want to keep it in house with a friend. Um, but we sat down and uh, said, here's what we could do. Uh, we tried one idea, which was going to focus on Tiberius. Um, we did another one with Skeeks. Uh, you know, it, depend, it all depend on who was going to come back because there was there is no recasting Skeeks. Uh, his voice is just too recognizable, and people love that character too much. Um, and we ended up saying, "Well, this is how the last one ended." So instead of following those characters, since we can't get those guys back all the time, why don't we just focus on that character and bring the other ones back in when we can get them? And then we said, "Okay, that's a good idea." So we know one character and, you know, a lot of directors will play in the, in movies because they know they'll, they'll play the main character because they know the main character and they want to portray it exactly the way they want to. So we had slip, we had me, and then we were like, well, Joe's back, but Tiberius doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's make a new character. That's how and I was like, what do you, what would you want to do? And he said, I want to be this character that became Saul. And then we would go with James, like all these different ideas until we landed on this like quirky kid, like uh, fry from Futurama type character, which became Trey. And, uh, you know, he named the character. Uh, We had other stuff for him, but because the show is so fluid and alive, the story kind of shifts as it goes. And uh, we ended up with a very different thing. And just as an addendum to that, uh, uh, Slade, who becomes like the major secondary villain. Um, there's two villains. There's Vax, uh, played by Kier. Um, and there's uh, Slade, who is played by Graham. Slade was meant to be like a heroic, if not flawed character. And he ended up being a very flawed character 
uh, very, as we call, spacist uh, villain who was just like irredeemable in the end. But that was not his original intention. But he, we barely explored his character. And we were like, we need a really good villain. And we want to tie Graham back in. So I said, well, we introduced Slade. How about we just make him a bastard? And Graham was about it. And we said, okay, let's go with it. And so it just goes to show that we just take, but even with casting, uh, when we have a, we when we have casting calls, we go by less about the character that's being portrayed, and we go about the uh, how interested the actor is in playing that character. Because we will work them in, we'll change a character around if the actor who wants to portray them has an idea. So yeah, it really just comes down to what serves us as creators and what serves the story. And sometimes we'll that's the best way. Sometimes that's the best yeah. way, isn't it? To try and take little aspects of the actors that are playing the parts and have that bleeding. I know exactly. I know I've mentioned it again, Red Dwarf did that. It took what what they saw, what certain people did, and were like, right, well, that's going to become an aspect of the character and things like that. And that makes it kind of that much more real, which I think is always a nice way to go. So you're talking about the strength, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. No, no, exactly. No, you're right. Exactly. Play your strengths. Why would you, you know, uh, you just, just you know, be, make the characters who, who who they think it should be because as long as the, the person who voicing it is invested, then, you know, it's going to run for, for much longer and people are going to enjoy it, which is the main thing. The speaking about about that, what the next bit, just as we start to wind down a little bit, is, is have you got any standout moments from the show? And then as kind of a partner to that, have you, are you anything that's coming up? Are you really excited about? Just give you a bit of a chance to talk about, obviously, I don't know when this is going to come out, but it just gives you a bit of a chance to speak about what's coming up, particularly obviously with the new season, I'm guessing, or series if you're from this side of the pond. So this might this might be the longest. Uh, this might be the and by the way, it, <clears throat> speaking of just <clears throat> pardon me, speaking on just the idea of series, you know, um, we do this show that each season is a series. It's a but I, again different language, but um, you know, the Ballad of the Outlander is a completed story. What we do in the future is meant to be a standalone that will reference the original. But if you want to pick it up right from there, it does act as a separate series. The, re- the reason the show is called Omega Star 7 and not the Ballad of the Outlander is it's about Omega Star 7, the setting, not a specific person. So that's something. But to go back to uh, your original question, and there's this, this might be the longest answer. We'll have to break it up a little bit. But uh standout moments there's one we did a uh a spoof on like a, a murder sport you know like a, a motorized twisted metal type sport um called sprocket ball and uh they did not throw balls they were sprockets and we just thought it'd be funny to call it sprocket ball what's and, a sprocket? Um, it's like a wrench it, yeah it's like it's like i don't even know i know it's a piece of it's like a gear of some kind okay it just sounded funny so like a science fix so like kind of the running man type thing but with a sprocket so it was they they basically rode like hover bikes and they would have to throw these sprockets into uh hoops in a giant loop and uh they would pretty much be nascar mixed with like throwing balls into hoops that are popping up randomly which would make a really good fun video game sounds like sounds like a spot america might invent at some point (laughs) yeah (laughs) Oh man, but the, the standout moment is like we brought a song from the beginning of the show in. We made it seem like it was actually being performed live. We added some reverb, added some extra noises to make it sound like someone was actually performing the song. And um it, we we did the we did the scene in every single sports movie where like everything comes in clutch right at the right moment. And uh it the way that like the characters react to this like moment is so visceral and real that like i can't help but smile like an idiot every time that scene comes up and uh that's one thing uh going back to the beginning of what we were talking about the we call it the nut scene where we talk about uh the euphemism of testicles uh that has become like a i don't know if i'd call it like the show's magnum opus but it has become like what is definitely created one out of two out of three people who start the show usually don't continue it. And I'm willing to bet it's because of that joke, which it's a really good siphoning filter for um, getting people who aren't going to like what the show could like what the show might be at its worst. But um, I find that to be a standout moment and one that we've 
continued to make references to since the beginning. Um, I would say uh, the biggest one is um, the ending of the show. We made a very, very uh, ridiculous episode called uh, Harry Spacers and the Hallway of Infinite Doors. And there's a scene. So basically it's chasing down a monster that um okay this this is gonna take this is gonna take some back uh this is gonna take some backstory you go um, for it go for it thorg is a as an eldritch aberration that lives on the ship he is pretty much a mass of tentacles and chitin chitin and um he has a if he has a regenerative ability but if he if anything on him is cut it will become another thorg and there can only be one thorg it seemed like a very open and shut ridiculous episode where like it was just done. Uh, we don't care about this monster. We gave up looking for it. And uh, that was 22 episodes before the end of the show. And at the end, that all comes to fruition. We never we never reference it again until the very end of the show. We do like one little thing bef- right before the end of the show, which was Thor telling Slip remember what I told you. And then we just left it at that. And then the next like two episodes later or the next episode, literally it all comes to fruition that there could only be one Thorg. And that's how everything became a thing. And pretty much um, the long con was, uh, I think the most standout moment is because you never, I, I think it was very tough to expect that to happen. And I felt that was, uh, it was a really hard to pull that off in a way that made sense. But yeah, those are the three things I'd say. The ending, the Sprocket League uh, clutch moment, and uh, the nuts uh, and the ending of the show. Oh, it's just all about the nuts. So where... Um, That's the joke. <laughs> so so what's coming up that, you, that you're excited about? So we're doing new anthologies. Uh, I made a problem. We did a Q&A, which will come out soon. Uh, I'll start with that. The Q&A, we decided instead of doing a simple like talk show, we did like a dramatized Eric Andre-esque like uh, spoof on late night talk shows. We did, it starts off like 12 minutes of that interviewing characters from the show, not so much the creators. Then we cut to an actual Q&A for about 20 minutes and then we end the show um that's really fun it's coming together really ridiculously it's very chaotic um but it pays a lot of homage to the show itself uh that we we re, like the last q a left a really bad taste in my mouth because it was so boring and uh, not that q a's are boring but just i felt for us it was a, a missed opportunity to be ridiculous and so we did that for this new one um, but in the q a i say like season two is kind of a is kind of like an an effort to refine our show. So before we get to season two, we're doing some last experiments with the, with new anthologies to see if there's anything else we feel that we need to bring into season two before we just go ahead full force. Like I said, we we're about three episodes into season two writing wise, and uh, we want to make sure that we uh, include every style or like thing that we want to experiment with in the anthologies. Cause we do anthologies to experiment. And um, so we're doing anthologies that kind of uh, follow a pulp fiction kind of thing where it all, re- it all revolves around a singular element. And uh, but again, genre bending. So we did one, the first one, the vestige is coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Um, that one follows a uh, group that uh searches for something called the vestige which um is basically a play on like alien and event horizon a little bit of among us um we again didn't we didn't take directly from those things but i definitely see that we were going for like space thriller and uh it definitely has like a lot of those vibes where it's like a whodunit in space it's a thriller it's you know esoteric and it's very very different from what we're used to hearing in omega star seven and then we are writing some new stuff. We're exploring new planets, new settings, and we're just trying to see if we can flesh out the show and make it a little more interesting before we dive into season two. That's kind of our plan, our roadmap right now. That reminds me on about the name. Again, this isn't one of your questions, my other apologies. Uh, <laughs> that's a hat trick. Um, I... Did you take any inspiration from a show called Blake Seven? No, uh, but oh, okay. you're not the first person. You're not the first person who asked. I genuinely, genuinely, 
have never heard of Blake seven until it was brought up to my attention. Yeah. And, um, I see why people think there's a, there, there's a, I, I knew the show is going to have some parallels in the, the world. Like you, like this, it's 2023, all the original ideas are done, you know, like we're, we're just going to, it's now we're, we're, we're in a period of time where things are kind of cycling back in and Blake seven, after hearing a little bit of it, I definitely see like where the, uh, the, the parallels come from. Um, but no, uh, no actual, direct inspiration like i wasn't listening and saying oh that'd be really good to do that i uh hadn't heard it until we were like 20 episodes into our show yeah well i'd, I'd have been i'd have been very surprised if you had heard of it i mean it's a a british science fiction comedy from god the 70s, 70s I think. Yeah. yeah so i mean and it, even over here it wasn't i mean i think it's become more of a cult thing now but i'd have been very surprised but that's what i thought when i first heard the title i was like oh i wonder if it's blake sevens or i had to ask so it's a good question i, I did want to i did want to, thank you for asking because i no, didn't want to make right. that clear it's i don't right. know if people think that so it's nice that you uh brought that up so i could set the record straight oh i just i had i knew i had something to ask and when you were talking i thought right hey, that's it seven yeah um so speaking of of podcasting i know marv does this next segment because i've answered it myself about what advice would you give to somebody starting a podcast? Actually, you know what? No, we'll make it because that's too generic a question. No offense, Marv, which is the way I've put it. Um, what advice would you give to somebody? Because I personally think that what you're doing is probably some of the hardest podcasting to do because yours is kind of, you got no fallback. For me, it's, you know, doing a film podcast is very much, oh, I can watch a film. I can I can talk about it with somebody else or on my own. Throw a few facts in there, have a bit of a laugh, and that's it. Pretty much done. You know, there's editing and stuff, and it's not like it's easy. But it's with you guys, it's that kind of you having to create it. Like you can't just have a week where it's like, oh, yeah, that wasn't a great one because you know, I've definitely had those weeks where I thought, yeah, it's not you, it's not your finest hour. So. I always have to bring the mood down if you noticed, but no, <laughs> oh, this, is good. this is very, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm formulating my answer while you're, but yeah, no, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just what I wondered really. So, um, I'll start, like, this is going to feel like this is going to be like a big pep talk. And I don't want to fall into the standard tropes of just give it your best because that USA, is part of it. You were saying that's a good You're all right. Go. <laughs> I, um, this is what I'll say. So speaking of USA, you know, well, there's, there's a big thing here about like this, working hard and that'll that'll make it happen i will say this um i work at i work a job and i'm not sure i'm allowed to really talk about what it is because of the high profile company i work for but um i will say that it, it deals with me talking to people a lot and um it's a very taxing job and it can be it's also very rewarding but um that's kind of it isn't it it's uh it's rewarding yeah so we do it because we love it so I do my job now because I t- I moved to Indiana for the job. If that doesn't say what where where what what it is, um, I it's very rewarding and I love it. So the number one thing is you have to remind yourself that you're not doing this for fame. You're not doing it for fortune. Let's be honest; it's never going to get there, most likely. Fortune and, that's and okay. glory, kid. Fortune <laughs> and glory. You mentioned Indiana, so it was going to come eventually. But sorry, go on. <laughs> I, um, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's the, the, the chances of you making it are tough. So are you doing it because you want to make it? Cause there's other ways to make it. Um, or are you doing it because this is really your passion? You have a story to tell and you want to tell it. So that's part one is whatever you do, do it because you love it. Uh, two, um, you got to, you know, whatever you're willing to do, you have to, con- you, you have to consent to it. So I make the point of saying we're a bi-weekly show and we've had the conversation to go monthly or to go weekly. And I've said, listen, if we start doing that, we owe it to our fans to be consistent with it. So whatever we decide we're doing, we have to be consistent. Now I did say uh, towards the end of the, uh, the last series, um, Ballad of the Outlander, um, we were very not, not at each other's throats or anything, <clears throat> but we were busy. We were as busy as you can be. It was a, a one week turnaround on these very, very intricate episodes. And um, the writing had to work. It, we were ending the show. It had to work. So it was very, very difficult. But I reminded myself that A, I love it. And B, no matter what, 
we we owe we at this point we've created something and we owe it to our fans to finish it. So number th- so one because you love it. Two whatever you do, make sure that you consent to it. And three, if you start something, you need to finish it. And now we're in a place of the show that we feel that anything we've done beyond out of Outlander, which was a complete story is a gift to our fans and friends. Like we are creating this for you now because we've told our story and we will continue to tell stories as long as we want to. But as of right now, you know, we've, we've carved a place for ourselves that has given us an opportunity to say, okay, well this month we're going to have a couple episodes. Now we're going to go away for a little because we're not doing a giant story anymore. So we can actually focus on writing fun things that we want to write versus stuff that we feel has to get done. Uh, We are working on season two and I've told the, again, back to the consent part. um, I've talked to the other creators and said, listen, we can start this tomorrow. We can start releasing this stuff tomorrow, but then we owe it to our listeners to finish it. So are we prepared to do that? Are we consenting to ourselves? Because I I don't want to hear in three months, oh, we bit off more than we can chew. We, We can do anthologies and we can release them as we do them and we can work from there or we can start a whole new show that's going to have expectations. So just to wrap it all up, you're doing it because you love it. You're doing it because you're able to, and you're not doing more than you're than you are able to or consenting to do. And three, you're doing it. You're starting something, so you should be finishing it. And yeah, uh, sorry, that's really that's like the biggest advice is uh, don't bite off more than you can chew, but bite off enough that it's challenging because you need to stay engaged. And uh, yeah, whatever you do, make sure it's engaging and you want to do it. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think I think well, we see that. I don't know about yourself. It'll lead into a question, so stick with me for a second. I love that. Um, I like finding like a new podcast and thinking, "Oh, I really like this." And then you look ahead, and it's after six episodes, it's gone, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Right, okay." And like Podfade, which I'd never heard of until not long ago, that's apparently like a massive thing. Like I don't know how many percent of podcasts start. You know, like that's how I got into podcasting. I did it. I got talked into doing it by a friend who then after like 14 episodes, even though we split them in half, so it was like 28, but after 14 recordings was like, yeah, I'm not in the right place to do this anymore. And I was like, oh, you've got me into something that I really like. So what do I do now? Uh, so, so you know, it happens. It happens a lot. But that brings me quite nicely into our second to last question, which is what podcasts do you listen to? The You know, I know these are podcasts that, like you've just said, do it regularly the consistent you know what what podcast do you really look forward to that new episode coming out i'll be honest and I, I, everyone likes to hear this um i am not a podcast person i do have a couple i like a lot um and i was much more active in it um before i got my new job my last job, I, I worked in a lot of manufacturing i was a printer had plenty of time to listen to music um and podcasts during work now there is none of that i work nine hours a day and there is no time to listen to a podcast anymore. So just out of that away, um, the ones I do listen to, and I'm going to shout out one of my friends because he is my, my best friend does a podcast called Annie. Are you okay? Which is a <laughs> star Wars podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, so I, I, you know, I love listening to them whenever, you know, we're very tight. So when he's like, I have a new stuff coming out, would you listen? I listen, I enjoy it. It's like being, cause you know, these guys are back home in Pennsylvania and I don't get to hang out with them anymore. So listening to their podcasts is really good. Uh, Space Castle, uh, very good friends of mine. And uh, you know, it's a single person show now. Still one of my best friends. Still love listening to him talk. Um, you know, I um, another one that I've I put down, but because I pretty much finished it was Campaign, which was a podcast about a uh, you know it, it was a uh, it's still it's still active with a different campaign but it used to be a Star Wars RPG and I loved it the new one's really cool too but I uh, got I was listening to the whole thing got to a point where I got a new job now I can't listen to it as much anymore <clears throat> and um, so yeah Annie are you okay Space Castle Campaign Pod there's a few random ones like I really like uh, Two Bears One Cave which is you know I'm a big fan of Tom Segura's comedy. So I listen to them a lot. And I also love, you know, I just, I just love comedians talking to comedians and um, I tried my hand at stand up, and it never worked out for me. So 
Um, there's that. And then if you'd have done um, that, you wouldn't have ended up here. There's always a reason. It, I think. It, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, it's tough. So, um, I like talking, I like discussion based podcasts. If you haven't noticed or like actual plays, um, yeah. I do. I feel I really liked audio drama before I'll say a couple that I really like is like Sayer is a really good one. Like S A Y E R. I find that super immersive and fun to listen to. Um, the ones I have listened to my friends podcast, like a uh, book of constellations, super good. Um, uh, Chartrullian is really good. Um, it's just really tough to like invest myself in these shows when I have so little time to listen to them, but I, um, so I listen, I usually binge them and, uh, um, just to, just to support my friends. Um, it's not that I'm yeah. choosing to listen to them. Like I love like what all my friends do is incredible, incredible yeah. work, but, um, um, I really listen to podcasts because I'm trying to support somebody and yeah. I would like to love them. And I do half the time. It's just hard to listen because I don't have time to invest in a 20 to 30 minute show anymore as much yeah. as I would like to. I think it's tough, um, especially when you're creating a podcast to, yes. to have time to listen to it because you do your own and you listen to your own that much. And then I'll be honest, I only listen to two. And they're both on bricks, <laughs> but I, I do. I mean, I listen to to two regularly. Like I will not miss an episode. Others, like the Fantastic Marv, I will listen to. You know, pods like us, what you listen to now. Exactly. I will listen to ones where I think, oh, that looks an interesting. One I won't listen to every one because Marvs tend to be quite long form, similar to mine. So I might pick to listen to. Oh, I'm podcasting with them. I listen to that one. You know, Marv's done episodes. I mean, I'd recommend go back and listen to the episode anybody that he did with um, Paisley from Learn German Through Music podcast. I've collaborated with her. It's a great episode. He also did an episode with Bill from Bill Reads Bad Reviews, who he's my most frequent collaborator. And when I listened to Marv's episode, I was like, oh, my God, I've never asked Bill anything. <laughs> yeah, I've spoken to him for hours. But, yeah, so, no, I think it is tough, especially when you're making your own content to have the time to be like, right, yeah, well, what, it's also know, what do I listen to? It's also like habits. Like, um, I um, I end up like I used to listen to podcasts during work. That was nine hours of podcast time. Now I don't do that. I now I have my job now doesn't allow me to listen to podcasts. I'm talking to people all day, and um, so that's that. I used to listen to podcasts when I was in the car for long drives. Yeah. Take, taking less trips these days. Um, when I'm eating, like if I, if I get fast food, I'll park, I'll eat real quick, throw it out, but uh. You know, during those like 20 minutes of eating, throw a podcast on there. Um, I, I'm doing a lot of less of that too. I'm trying to save money. So less fast food. I'm yeah. just all the places where I would listen to podcasts because I have a crippling ADHD. And uh, to listen to one, that means I can't listen to music. I can't do you know what I mean. So I have yeah. to listen. And it's, uh, I, I, my, my, my drive to work is only 20 minutes. So yeah. going back to my show, 20, <laughs> episodes are typically 20 minutes long for that reason. No, it is. It's tough. It's tough to find that time. It's like one of the, the I listen to one, and there's a half an hour to thirty five minutes. That's what they do, and I listen to those on the way home from work on a Friday because that's when they post. It's perfect. And the other one I will catch whenever I can, sure. because I'm a, a patron of theirs. So you know, so it's it's different. Um, but just as we come to to wrap up, um, where can we find your podcast? Yeah, that's a, uh, the shameless plug part that i call it marv's probably much more uh you know <laughs> puts it better than i do but yeah where can we find you and um yeah so we're we're on just about every single um podcatcher if we're not on yours feel free to reach out to us we'll see if we can get ourselves on you but uh you just go to omegastar7.com seven the number not seven spelled out and uh from there you can we have every single one that we've found that we're on and uh, you can just click on it and go from there or just, you know, type in Omega Star 7 again, 7 the number, not 7 spelled out on your favorite podcatcher. And there you go. Well, you'll see us. We are, we're, we're mostly active on Twitter. If you'd like to interact with us, we have, a, we have a personal discord. You're more than welcome to reach out to us. All the all the creators and major actors are active on the uh, on that discord. So you're more than welcome to interface with us. We have an email, Omega Star 7 podcast at Gmail. Feel free to reach out with questions or concerns. Be happy to help. And Really, we try to be as interactive with our audience and new listeners as possible. So never feel like you can't reach out to us because we will respond. There you go. Spot on. So, yeah, thank you very much to Skylar from Omega Star 7. Go over and check it out. Uh, if you like the sultry sound of my voice, 
um, and you want to cheat on Marv, uh, you can come on over to uh, Review It Yourself podcast. I do films over there. And yeah, come on over and, and see how it does. But no, but thank you very much for listening to Pods Like Us. Pods Like Us is available on Instagram, Twitter, and pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts, really. Reach out to Marv if you're a podcaster would like to, to be interviewed about your podcast, like we've just done with Skylar. Obviously, you won't get me unless you specifically rec- you know, you specifically ask. Marv might not be too sure about that. But no, we miss we, we miss. We wish Marv all, all the best uh, for getting absolutely for getting for getting uh, for getting well. And yeah, thank you to thank you to you for coming on. And I hope I've done you proud, Marv. And I hope anybody listening has enjoyed it because as you said, Skylar, and it's a good point, you give up your time in your life to listen to this, whether it's Omega Star 7, whether it's Pod Cycles, Review Yourself, whatever you listen to, you give up your time. And believe me when I say, us podcasters, especially independent ones, we really appreciate that you take that time, even if you don't enjoy it. So thank you very much. And thank you, Skylar. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Pleasure. Get well soon, Marv. You absolute beast of a man.